morning. Thanks, Jenny and Pete, for leading us in the first part of the service. Um, with Christmas coming up, many of us are in a gift present thinking modes. What shall I get for this person? What about that? How much should I spend? What would they like? Or perhaps you are on the receiving end. What would I get? Um, I've, I've called the theme of today's sermon, Unwrapping the Gift. And as Pete introduced it in, earlier on, I'm going to talk about, share about the first four, three verses of the first chapter of Hebrews. And before, before I'd like to, to pray, I'd like to read the passage, and then we're going to pray. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this morning for your words, for the eternal truths that guide us day by day. But most of all, Lord, we thank you this morning for the living word, Jesus Christ, and the sureness of his presence. Lord, my prayer this morning is that you will teach us how to turn to you this morning. You'll teach me how to turn to you so that my thoughts are not any longer mine, but yours. And my way is not always mine, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen. I came across this picture recently, and the moment I saw it, it reminded me of the time when I lived in Hungary. And um, it was the early, well, the late 90s, and it was the time where our campus had only one phone and we used to stay outside, and um, it also reminded me of the way the conversation went with my family. Of course, I was living in Hungary for two years, so it was hard. But the funny thing was that um, it reminds me also about the speed of the conversation. And by the time I had spoken to my 13th cousin and the fourth neighbor, 
the card would start to beep, 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 because there was no more money left. And then we had mobile phones. And it was just about the time when they've started to take off, but it was still, it wasn't luxury, but it was not cheap to, to call internationally. And then, all of a sudden, we got introduced to internet. Now, I know that the West got a hold of the internet much easier and much faster than Albania did, but I remember talking to my friends in those days that my, um, whatever, dial-up speed was 256 kilobytes, and somebody spoke about Skype. But of course, with such a slow internet connection, you couldn't have Skype. So then things started to develop. They said that if your internet speed is fast enough, you might be able even to install a webcam. And you could be able to see the person face to face. And then we've got ADSL and so forth. I, I just wanted to bring this to the parallel of the passage today. And start with the first verse saying, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. In last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, this is a little bit personal for me because this is my main way of conversation with my family. Skype. Face to face. But God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. Now, we've been very blessed with Dave's ministry in the past um, three or four months going through the prophets, minor prophets. And it links so well with the passage today. But I'm not going, I promise I'll not tell you anything about what Dave has already covered. But I just wanted to remind you of some other prophets that God used in the past in the Old Testament. Um, Abraham, he spoke to him directly in an audible voice or in a vision. Do you remember how God spoke to Jacob? Dreams, the interpretation of dreams. Do you remember with Moses? as it were, face to face from the burning bush with Gideon consuming the goat's meat and the unleavened bread with fire and also later on with the Jew on the uh, fleece of the wool. Elijah, voice out of the clouds when he prayed for rain in 1 Kings 18. Do you remember little Samuel in the temple? Voice in the night several times. Ezekiel in symbols. Remember the rainbow in the midst of destructive storm and the Holocaust? That ray of hope. My intention this morning is not to spend time on the prophets because I'm talking about unwrapping a present. I remember when I was a little boy, 
we didn't have much toys. My wife makes jokes of that all the time. But I remember one year, she didn't know about this actually, and I was eight or nine, and my parents bought me a present. Now, to the English audience, this may sound a bit strange. They bought me a pistol. Don't worry, it was plastic. It was a yellow pistol. I can remember it very vividly. Um, I was so pleased. And I was telling Ruth this morning that the hassle that they had to go through in order to provide a little toy for me, and above all toys, they chose a pistol. I don't know why. But I was so excited. I unwrapped it, took it out of the box, and played for days but not with a pistol. Funny enough, I played with a box. And I think I took better of the box than the pistol itself. Now, I'm not suggesting here that the parallel is Jesus is the pistol and so forth. But what I'm suggesting here is that sometimes we can miss the point. Unwrapping the gift... In the last, well, in the past, God spoke to us in many times and in many ways through the prophets. But these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. One of the favorite games of Amelia is pass the parcel. And do you know how you go in unwrapping and tearing? Uh, Ruth was making one this year for her birthday party and was eight or nine layers. And some, well, and in each and every layer was the same thing so children didn't fight what they get. But Unwrapping the gift somehow reminds me of coming to that last parcel. When you know that this is not going to be pencils, it's not going to be rubbers, it's not going to be the general thing that everybody has got, but it's something a bit better, a bit bigger. It's the great reward. The golden wrapped gifts. This is the final revelation that God has chosen to reveal himself to his people. Let us look at this slide and pause for a moment. Interesting words. I didn't make this, eh? I got it easy, copy and paste from my Logos program. I'll read the passage and have a look at the words. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the words of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Unwrapping the gifts. Who is this Jesus? Do you remember two or three years ago, Jay took the youth out on um, city center and he was interviewing people who Jesus was. And some hadn't a clue. But there are a lot of opinions about Jesus out there. Some say he was a great teacher. Some others say that he was a selfless man, very sacrificial. And some even dare to talk about rumors of miracles. Some like to identify him as the man of love and peace. Do you remember the instance when Jesus asks the disciples and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus asks, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replies, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So who is this Jesus? Now, when you look in the first two verses, you see that there is a continuity in the revelation. There is this progression of events from past to present to now. But the writer of Hebrews starts bang on it. He doesn't say, hello, my name is such and such. I greet you. He just wants to make sure that these people that he's addressing have a, a grip of what was going on. So in this progress, progression of revelation, there are distinct, distinct things. So the first distinction would be that the nature of revelation is different. Because we know that in the past, God used his people. 
his creation, his creatures, to transmit his message to the people. But in this final stage, this revelation of God is revealed in one person alone, and that's the Son, who in fact is God in nature and in character. Jonah and Jesus? Jonah running away? Jesus staying on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing? There's also a difference in the content. Because the prophets delivered distinction, not a difference, in, in the context. The prophets delivered the message with words, whether this was written or spoken. Whereas the final revelation of God in the Son is through the personality of the Son. Do you remember the I am's of Christ? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. There is also a distinction in the method. Because the prophets in the past, in many ways, in many times, they spoke as God's mouthpiece. Thus says the Lord... Whereas the Son spoke as God himself. The paralytic. What is it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or pick up your bed and go home? And what did the Pharisees say? Who is this bloke that has got authority to forgive sins? Because only God can forgive sins. But also there is a distinction in the timing, the process. The, pre, the, first, test, the, the first testament, the first revelations, they were continuous progressive snippets. Whereas the Son is the final and He is the sufficient revelation of God. There is no other revelation that is needed after the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've got people today that are still looking for signs and wonders. Others speak of other prophets after Jesus' time. But the writer of Hebrews is very clear here that God has chosen to reveal himself completely, absolutely, sufficiently, finally in his Son. So, who is this Jesus? He is 
the radiance of God's glory. Radiance is what makes light visible to the human eye. When any light is made less radiant, it becomes less visible. When Jesus came to earth on the form of a human, he was shining the knowledge of God's glory. That's why Habakkuk prophesied, saying about Jesus, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Yes, it is true in the first sense of Jesus' coming, and then more of that will be with his second coming. But John witnesses some fantastic things about Christ. He testifies in his gospel, says, we beheld his glory, glory as the the only begotten of the Father. This glory, says John, was full of, of grace and truth. So to say that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory is to say that Jesus makes God's character and nature visible to humanity, to you and me. Secondly, the Son is the exact representation. He is the exact representation of the Father. Now, when we say this, this helps us a little bit more to define the radiance in the first statement. In other words, the radiance is not just a reflection This radiance is not just similar, like some commentators suggest, to the glory of God. But the writer of Hebrews says that this representation is the exact, it's the exactness of his being. Jesus is representing God exactly. The third thing that the Son does, He sustains the world. The Word became flesh. He was God. He was with God. And fourth is that the Son provided purification for our sins. The Son had this high priestly role on behalf of all who hear his words and follow him. Now, Aaron, he'll go on, the writer of Hebrews will go on later on, saying that Aaron provided priesthood for the people. But there is different priesthood because this purification is permanent. And the fifth thing, which I've not put there, is that he is sitting down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, if you see the tabernacle, if you see the temple, 
on the tem- in the temple's furniture, there is no furniture that has or describes a seat for the priests, implying that they were all the time busy trying to provide the uh, sacrificial system for the people who came. Whereas Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father, which means that his sacrifice is finished. He is sitting on the right hand of his Father, which implies that we don't need any more sacrificial system. Now, I bring this, and you're saying, why on earth have you brought this for Christmas? What does it have to do with our Advent? Because I don't want for us to miss the point, like I did with a box and the pistol. This morning, I just wanted to encourage you that you and me are presented with this wonderful gift. You and me are given this fabulous, magnificent gift, which is the Son of God. And thank goodness, thank God, it was not given by humans, but it came from the very heart of God. And there's two things that we can do with this gift. We can enjoy looking at it, or we can open it get a hold of it. The unwrapped gift is superior because the New Testament that Christ brought is superior to the First Testament. We're not saying that it was bad, but it was perfected in the Son. So as we think of Christmas, let us think of this Son of God. My first application comes from the very recipients of this letter, this preaching, this sermon, the book, well, the the people who were third generation Christians now the Hebrews. Actually, it comes because these were the people that a lot of commentators say that perhaps they had not met with the resurrected Christ. Perhaps they had not even met with some of the apostles. But somehow, they have returned from their Jewish roots and embraced Christianity. And now they're facing persecution. And it had become so tough 
that it was much easier to go back to their Jewish roots. So the writer, whoever you think the writer is, is trying to address that compromise, complacency, Maybe I'll take it to an extreme and say lethargy had hit the believers, which might be the case with us. It is very easy to compromise. Or I'd say it's not difficult to compromise. Maybe we've become complacent. I got in trouble one time. I think I've shared this before, but we were talking about the church in the UK, and we're talking about different things. And um, I got so many bad looks because I said that sometimes I pray for persecution. And I had one particular lady who gave me a bad look, and she says, no, don't pray for persecution. But sometimes we become very comfortable. And when we say things, when we read the scripture, it, it's somehow automatic. Has my love for Christ grown cold? If that's the case, I ought to unwrap the present and get a hold of the gift. One other thing that we become very good at is we like to talk about the idea about being real with one another. I'd like to introduce something else this morning to say that until or unless we have encountered with this final revelation in Christ, the Son of God, we cannot be real. We can try. Unless we face, unless we measure, unless we calibrate, align, call it whatever you want, ourselves with the incarnate Son of God, we cannot be real. Because that there is no way that you encounter the Almighty God's and your life remains unchanged. Do you remember Zacchaeus? Jesus invited himself to his house. I don't know what they talked, but he encountered the Son of God who is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. 
providing purification for the sins, sitting down at the right hand of the majesty. And once Zacchaeus encountered this, his life changed. And not only changed, but because of this encounter, his life gave fruit. So my last challenge for you and for myself this morning is God has chosen to reveal himself in his son who is all that he's seeing here in these three, four verses. Do I want to unwrap the present and get a hold of the gift. Our lives will not be the same again. Glory to God.